The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Horror Hotel, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. I am your host and hotel owner, Jeffrey Aruz. We're so glad you could check in. We've been dying to have you. Here on Horror Hotel, we are going to explore some of Hollywood's scariest, most frightening, and creepiest films. Please welcome my co-hosts, concierge supervisor, Cynthia Boyede. Hello. And Night Auditor, Mark Estes. What's up, what's up? Sweet to the sweet. Yes, I've heard that before. Before we head on over to the ballroom, let's stop by the front desk, where one of our bellhops has a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Please step all the way in, and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. The real chills come later. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p c r horror hotel. Follow Pampichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Pampichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, Visit panpichuloradio.com slash horrorhotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash panpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo Radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. Now, grab some popcorn and some snacks. You may step into the ballroom. It's time for your feature presentation. Thank you. It's time to fire up the film projector in our ballroom so that we can discuss 1992's Candyman. Here's the official synopsis of the film. The Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. Y'all know what I'm going to ask. 
have you ever seen Candyman before? And I feel like I know the answer to Mark, but Mark, you know, I'm thinking the answer in my head, but I feel like you should verbally say it. Candyman is an annual experience for me ever since it came out. So, yes, I've seen Candyman. <laughs> yes, he has an apiary outside his house, so. I, I don't fuck bees. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cynthia, what about you? I have not. <gasps> I know. Shocking. Well, sit down, Mark, because I hadn't either. Oh, my God, y'all. Oh but here's the thing. I knew about Candyman. I don't know if Cynthia had heard of Candyman. Had you? Yes. Okay, see, I knew about Candyman. When Candyman came out, I was a kid, and that looked creepy as fuck. So I'm like, I'm not watching that. Because I don't fuck with, like, the concept of, like, Bloody Mary and, like, that kind of thing. And so, like, when you have a character where you say their name, like, Bloody Mary, I think it's three times. Like, Candyman is five times. I'm like, I'm not really fucking with that and the whole mirror thing. And, yeah, no. No bueno for me, at least when I was a kid. we're not playing Candyman tonight. I thought we'd end with that. Oh, okay. You can. <laughs> wow, thanks. Yes, and it was like the whole thing with like Bloody Mary when I was, uh, I think I was like in fourth or fifth grade, and like everyone was talking about it for some reason in the school, and like I was like, if y'all want to do it, you better do that shit in the school's bathroom, so if she's going to get unleashed, she gets unleashed at school. She doesn't get unleashed in your house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've never um, got too far with playing with those types of games. My cousin locked me in the room one night, and she did the Buddy Mary thing. When what? I tell you, yeah, she was in the room. She locked. She was. She she deranged. So we was all. She was over all of us. So she was like 13, 14, 15, something like you know, like you know, and we were like eight. And so she would start saying Bloody Mary, and she closed the door and like cut all the lights off, and you could. I swear to God, I was panicking because you could actually see something forming in the mirror. And my scream sent every parent inside the house to the back room. Because <laughs> I was kicking that door and screaming. And then they were like, what the hell are you doing to these kids? And I was like, she said something about Bloody Mary. And I don't know what's going on. <laughs> something in the mirror. Lord, Mark was unleashing a portal in his bathroom, in the bedroom, or wherever. I don't play with stuff like that. I don't like saying Beetlejuice um, three times. <laughs> Oh, see, he would be fun. What? Oh, no. No. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Get all killed. He'll be fun to, like, he's like the, the, the bench of cat in the hat. Like, it's all for the games that somebody loses a head, literally. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But Candyman, when that movie came out, I was like, don't play with me with this shit. I don't, don't do it. Yeah. Well, let's jump in the line, everybody, and let's uh, chat about Candyman. And I feel like we have to talk about the actor. Tony Todd, who is, like, infamous because of this role. Like, you know, he is Candyman. I feel like because of the movie, like, he is, like, so tied into the horror genre. It's always great to see him pop up in other horror movies. I'm like, it's Tony Todd. Or to hear his voice, because his voice is iconic as well. Uh, Let's talk about Tony Todd. What do we think of him as the Candyman? Like, yeah, he owns the role. It's his role. Can't nobody else play a Candyman. Lord forbid if something happened to Tony Todd, he was like, just don't even look at me making Candyman. Period. Do you know who they cast, who they wanted to cast at first for Candyman? Who? Who? Eddie Murphy. Oh. What? 
they wanted to cast Eddie Murphy, but he was too expensive, so they got Tony Todd. <laughs> See, that would have been like Funny Candyman. That is, yeah, that have been like the it that just came out. Pennywise. <laughs> Yes. No, that would have been like the original Pennywise with Tim Curry. Because I don't think the current Pennywise is like funny, right? He is funny. Oh, he is? Did you see... Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. That's not a movie that I'm rushing to the movies to see. That's something I can yeah. wait until it's on Netflix, to be quite honest. Okay. Yeah, wait. No. But like, he does this funny dance, like, and you're just like, what are you doing? What's... Is this your life, really? Oh, that's funny. I love him. You love the dance? I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the remake video, the, the, um, the remix videos of him dancing just Pennywise always on, on beat? <laughs> no matter what song you put on, he, he's on beat. <laughs> I need to watch that. Oh, that's funny. I'm going to have to look for that, too. And uh, the co-lead of the film is Virginia Madsen as Helen Lyle. What do we think of her as Helen? She gave off this ingenue... Um, especially in the scenes where he was mesmerizing her. Yeah. It was just like, she was like, it took me back to like 1940s, 1950s when, you know, the beau was talking to the lead woman in, the, in a black and white film and she just like, oh, oh my God, I'm oh. so enthralled in everything <laughs> you're telling me right now. But she sold it. She sold it. Like, how can you hold that face and then shed a tear? I mean... True. She sold that role. And, I mean, everybody's talking about, like, Candyman and Tony Todd being, like, you know, the Candyman. I cannot see Virginia Madison anything else but I'd be going back to seeing her at Candyman. Because that was my first thing I had ever seen her in was Candyman. And okay. now, I mean, she's done numerous roles since then. She's been in tons of movies. But I just always... They say, look, oh, look at Helen looking out the mirror over there. <laughs> you know? You know, just... I love her. I loved her in the role, and she was believable, especially when she was playing the skeptic, when she went to, you know, meet with Cabrini Green, the Cabrini Green residence, and she was just not scared. But at the same time, she had to be humbled, you know what I'm saying? And so um, she sold all of this. She sold the nothing can touch me, you know, character. Then she sold the whole hysterical, you know, like, what's going on? Then she sold the whole, you know, okay, my life is pretty much over right now, so let me just go ahead and just see what the damn dude's talking about. <sighs> she sold all of it. And in the very end, she sold it, too. Yeah, I like her. I like her, period. I think she's usually yeah. really good, whether she's playing sort of, like, the heroine in a movie or where she's whether she's playing, like, a really dark twisted uh you know character filled with secrets and stuff like she does a really good job period i think i hated her character so i hated her and that's a good thing because it just shows how like hard it was to separate her from her character why did you hate her yeah her character mm-hmm I don't know. I was just she like, was messing with stupid? shit she shouldn't have. Yeah, like are you stupid? And like, there's a child or your life. It's your fault. The child is there. Like, I would be like, okay, you know what? Just take me. Let's do this. She's like, you no. Got, yeah, you I, a good I point. Forgot. Yeah. So she's a great actress. Well, there you go. What did we think of the look of Candyman? Like from the costume. 
to the hook to the bees and uh, that scene where uh, he um, opened up his um, his coat and showed yeah. her his like rib cage covered in bees, like everything. Like you can't be a person that's scared of bees to be in this movie because the bees were all over the place. And this was 1992, so those were not like CGI bees. Yeah. Um, a part of me is growing up. I know some of my friends just joke like, "Why is the only black slasher villain that we have? He is dressed like a uh, 1970s, 1940s, 1970s pimp." You know. You know, you know what? Uh, he was pimpalicious. If you think about yeah, it. Yeah, but I look at it as it's. Chicago is no joke in the wintertime. He needed that coat. He might be dead, but he's already cold. So oh, just my like, gosh. And then being in Chicago, in that area, it's like extra cold. So it's just like, you know, I got to have, I got to wear this coat. And, but it, it, it enhanced, you know, this big-ass coat dude with this equally big hook. You know, it enhanced the creep factor. Yeah. Because trust and believe, I turned around and saw somebody. Okay, like the dude who was the fake candy man. I've been like, okay, that's either some that's some pleather, and you know it's whatever. But it's like he was intimidated, but to me, I don't think he was as scary as like you turn your back, you see this man, this tall man, this big coat, and these spit shine shoes, and just this deranged look in his face. Talking about some be my victim, I think I'd have fainted. He would have had time to sit there and get all the, the mess rising and stuff like that. I think I would have fainted. Oh, boom! Just hit the damn ground. It, it was intimidating. It was scary. Just the look. Good grief. That fake Candyman, like, he was so whack. Like, the only thing scary about him was the fact that he was crazy enough to be, like, carrying around a hook and mm -hmm. to do Candyman-type stuff. But, like, I was like, come on, man. Like, What you doing? Hashtag choices. Choices? Yes. You know, what I found striking was when he picks Helen up, the candy man and he's taking her to the altar it just like clicked in my head that just the way everything looked that it was like a horror version of beauty and the beast oh yeah and so i started seeing that like she's wearing this blue scrubby looking thing and he's wearing the brown and he's huge and hawking and he's the beast and she's like beautiful and he's like, promise me you'll come back. And now she's finally coming back. And everything, their empire has been built again. Maybe I watch too much Disney movies. But no, yeah. I liked it. I liked this, Cynthia. That was, yeah, I liked it. It's that a tale hot. as old as time. Is that Beauty and... Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, as far as the mythology, I give the film props. Because they did a really great job at, like, creating the Candyman mythos, I think. Like, we got a little bit of a taste of it as far as, like, the urban legend mythology in the beginning, but then, like, we got sort of, like, the full breakdown of, like, the historical uh, account of what happened. Uh, what did you all think of, like, the Candyman storyline as a whole? Like, what happened historically as well as how that morphed into an urban legend 
I loved it. But here's the thing. Like, that was all... Candyman's based on a short story by Clive Barker named The Forbidden, uh, if anybody didn't know that. Um, I read this short story. It was set in Leeds, England, if I'm not mistaken, or some part of England. And I don't think it was a... And, of course, Candyman wasn't black. You know, I think he was just, like, this regular man who was going around doing crazy shit, but... So Bernard Rose sat there and created this whole big, not intricate, but just this tragic tale, you know, to give the villain some sympathy. Because outside of Jason Voorhees, Candyman is the only other sympathetic cinematic modern-day monster, slasher, who has some sort of sympathy, if that makes any sense. I don't like using this phrase, but he was a product of his time. Um, and I like how the, um, you know, the mythology said how they pretty much burned him. They got his stuff to him. They, they cut, they cut his, uh, his, his uh, right hand off and then put a hook on there. Then killed him with smearing blood, um, um, honey all over his body, mm-hmm. bruised body. And the bees stung him to death and everything. And they burned him and spread his ashes all over, um, Cabrini, the area that's now Cabrini Green. It, it's it's perfect, but, and I know we, we're focusing on the 1992 Candyman, but the sequels ruined that. It is, I guess for the longest time, I loved the sequel. Farewell to the Flesh? Much, yeah, I loved it because it was set in New Orleans. And the only reason why I loved it is because that's, that, that mythology, the basis, made more sense in New Orleans than it did in Chicago, mm-hmm. my person. Because... You can see that actually going down, but you're like, how the hell? Because I'm not saying like it could not have happened. I'm just saying like it made more sense. It was way more plausible for it to go down in New Orleans than it did in Chicago. Yeah, you know, not was, that racial tensions were perfect. Yeah, you exactly. know, or racial uh, relationships were perfect in Chicago at the time, but it would make more sense in the South versus the North, basically. Yeah, and so the but the way I've kind of had to deal with it, the way I had to make it make sense for me was, this movie's all about and Candyman is all about the urban legend tale. You know, the urban legend. You know, it changes when it gets to each different different people. So when the guy was giving or Purcell was giving um the history, he said the ashes spread all over Cabrini Green. But if you he probably no, but he heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend and all this stuff. So it makes sense if it actually went down to New Orleans and they said, oh, but you no, know, yeah, it took the the mythology went to you know, because even in Idaho, scream slash opening theme that took place in was it Idaho or Indiana or something like that with the girl babysitting the kid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so it can probably pop up anywhere because the third movie, which was horrible, took place in Los Angeles. Um. So shout out to Donna to Erico. Oh my God! Don't even remind me. That was just horrible. I was so upset when I saw it. But I'm sorry. But no, the the, the mythology is awesome. It just um, the only way I personally feel like the sequels could do justice to it is because it's the urban legend and the story. You know, it changes. The story changes. It evolves. It evolves. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to get. It evolves. So that made sense. But I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was neat. No, you did a good job. I think I thought it was neat. I thought uh, it was a really strong backstory to the character because I typically feel like 
in slasher movies or in movies where there's like a killer and there's some sort of mythos about the killer sometimes they go like the easy route and they cheapen it and and you know they give like a stupid reason that really doesn't make sense and this one was very intricate and it had layers and uh you know the uh, quote-unquote real story that evolved into the urban legend like all of it sort of made sense and it made sense how the actual event turned into an urban legend and of course you know you know now we know why there are bees why there's a hook why there's this that or the other so i thought it fit perfectly what about you cynthia were you intrigued by uh, the backstory for Candyman. Yes, I feel like this movie they did really well in explaining why cuz there're lots of horror movies where you're just like here are the things happening, believe it or not, we're still going to show the movie. And this movie like did really well in explaining why. Another thing I noticed, this is not like the backstory, but as it evolved the baby at a point i was like wait how is this baby still alive after so long and then you see him feeding the baby yes with his finger so like this movie was just good with not making the audience feel stupid for believing so props to them let's talk about the friend bernadette yes, bernadette bernie yes I was so mad. I know it's a horror movie, and I know people gotta die, but I was rooting for Bernadette. Yeah. To this day, even though I watched it, like, not even, like, 15 minutes, like, 30 minutes ago, that scene still hurts my soul. And then when they showed just how bad he messed her up, her skin was just, like, her skin changed a whole different damn color. I think it was, I don't can't describe it. It was just so disgusting. I remember as a kid, that was the only scene I couldn't watch was when they showed her body. It was like, oh God, I just can't watch that. But I'm glad you brought up Bernadette because you noticed that when Vanessa Williams, not the not not that Vanessa Williams, but Vanessa Williams and Meryl's place fame. Yes. Uh, and soul food fame. When she was talking about how white folks come around here, they don't shake. She kept, y'all white folks, she kept equating Bernadette as like, oh, you one of them. You're not one of us. You're one of them. And you kind of saw how Helen was like, when she's like, oh, let me help you with the baby. And Helen went into just full mode trying to like, you know, help her out and everything. And Helen was the one who was engaging in, you know, the Cabrini Green folks, when they said something, you know, she would respond. And it was like she was dragging Bernie. And, it's, you know, it was kind of a weird, um, it was a weird, like, juxtaposition, if you, if I, I'm using my word, um, it just, because usually, I guess they wanted to say, like, well, you know, Bernadette's just as scared as um, Helen, but it would be like, no, Bernadette, you probably have to lead me through all this because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, okay, this is probably going to sound real fucked up, but it, this, in those scenes, it seemed like Brandon was the scary white woman in those scenes, and Helen was just like, they don't bother me, I'm cool. What do y'all think about that? You know, did y'all catch that, or did y'all notice that any, or, or I'm just overthinking I this? I noticed that, but I thought of it another way. Okay. Of Helen being, like, the white woman who comes in confidently, and does everything because she's like, oh, I have the power to save. And Bernadette was just like, 
withdrawn because like she was unsure of herself and just okay. didn't say anything. And like, I don't know, but like when Nigerians go, when I go to someone's house, I watch first before just jumping in and touching their stuff because I've been told you don't just do that. So it was like she had that knowledge and Helen was just like, oh, I'm here. This is my place. I'll do whatever I want. That's what I saw in that moment. Uh, she sauntered in with her privilege. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Uh, I would give you that she did. And I was just like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I was, because I, back in the day, I was always rooting for Bernadette. I still, I was still rooting for her. I was just like, I just noticed just how reserved she was with a lot of the stuff that was going on. Like, you know, she was the one who was packing um, tasers and pepper spray and all this stuff and Helen was like she knew what the dealio she knew what she it was she was the wise like, one yeah cause she's like I know these people these are like my people but I don't know I'm I'm glad I brought that up and you broke that down Cynthia because I saw it a different way like, I saw a different way but I want cause I didn't want to see it the way I saw I was like no I mean she has the right to be scared but it's just like and this probably has something to do with my own personal experiences with, you know, um, something similar to that. Because especially working in the library and people come in, they automatically assume that I'm down with the cause and shit like that. Or that they, because I work behind the front desk in the library, I'm the only black staff member that I'm all, all, always, you know, like, I'm, I'm an easy pushover and stuff. And I guess I look, I kind of place it on to burn a dead in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, like, because I usually tell people real quick, no, no, don't, don't get that idea about me, you know. You've been having a mistake, but I was like, girl, why don't you sit there just like confidently as um Helen is, you know, walk through there and everything. But at the same time, she was like, girl, you're trying to chase an urban legend in the middle of, you know, the, you know these, these streets, you know what I'm saying? You can't be fucking with these yeah. streets like this. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Cynthia, we just learned Mark is not down for the cause. I didn't <laughs> say I wasn't down for the Oh, my gosh. So you be putting stuff out there and people be like, oh, I know, okay, right? okay, don't do that. That's like my expertise. <laughs> Okay, no, Mark is down for the cause, all right? There you go. Okay. So, I mean, you brought her up, so I think we should talk about Anne-Marie McCloy, Vanessa Williams, not the Vanessa Williams. In my opinion, when Helen wakes up in her house, like, that's when the film goes from being like this quiet story about you know is the urban legend real or not and that kind of thing to like full-blown batshit crazy because like when you got like buckets of blood all over the protagonist the floor and you got a freaking what was a rottweiler's head chopped off on the floor like this shit goes crazy and then you know, I give props to Vanessa because, like, her reaction, like, that was real as fuck. And when she attacked Helen, I was like, girl, you gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the funny thing is that, like, Helen had the freaking, um, what was it, like, a meat cleaver or something? Yeah. But, like, it took her, like, 25 minutes to use it. <laughs> and I was like, this. Helen isn't the smartest one in the book. Not the smartest one in the book because I'm not, I hear screaming. I wake up. I'm covered in blood. The first thing I'm gonna start doing, I probably start screaming too. And that probably just like you know, me saying like on the hindsight, like well, 
No, I would have screamed too. But I would have ran to the room to see what was going on. But I don't know. I just I would have picked the cleaver because I don't know where I'm at. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at and you know what's going on. I probably would have stayed in the bathroom. You know, but like somebody find me, then you know, barricade I'll tell yourself. What happened. Barricade myself. Something. You know what I'm saying? But to go back to the even the beginning because they broke down the scene, said that Amory had returned home and found all his blood. I'm thinking, like, did she leave her child at home by herself? Oh. Because that's what threw me off, because I'm like, if you just return home and you find out his blood and you don't see your son, then I'm like, well, who is there watching the kid? You know what I'm uh, saying? Okay, we need, uh, we need Candyman, colon, losing Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's oh Jessica Lang when you need her? Yeah, I mean, it just, but... But even still, it's like that's the thing that bothered me the whole every time I watched the movie. Like, who was who was supposed to be watching the kid? Is somebody? Cause I was expecting every time. I, I mean, when I first saw the movie, I was expecting to see another dead body inside the house. And yeah, then, like the babysitter, like the babysitter or something like that. But and you know, and then the child, you know. But there was no other dead body in there. So I'm like, first of all, how did you get into my house? Second of all, like how? But she was in a state of like you know trying to figure out what happened to her kid. But it's like bottom line, where were you at when this kid? Why was the kid on by itself? Go ahead. What if she went to borrow some sugar from her neighbor? That would explain why her door was unlocked. That's true. That's true. But you know, you know what? I'm I'm a follow up with the fact that she sat there and trailed them into Ruthie Jean's apartment, and the baby was in the apartment then. Hmm. And he started crying. She's oh, my baby. I'm like, uh-uh, girl, don't leave him by himself. And Cabrini Green, <laughs> what is wrong with you? All this stuff they were talking about Cabrini Green was true because I had a cousin who stays in Chicago. And they used to tell me every time I watched that movie, like, they got that down to the to the T. Cabrini Green was nowhere that you want to be stuck at at night. Oh. Period. Oh, but well, now damn. it's been gentrified all to hell. So, um... But they said Cabrini Green was no joke. They said that was the thing, the movie, the movie that really scared them the most. Screw Candy Man, I'm scared of Cabrini Green. Well, Helen gets sent to the psych ward because obviously all like the the attack, the uh, disappearance of the child, the murder of the dog, like all of this is being pinned on her. And Helen gets the idea to call upon Candy Man can free herself from the psych ward and then we get what was in my opinion like the craziest most brutal death of this fucking movie because like how this man died like the shaking and like the blood from his mouth and like like that shit was crazy and like all the bounce in action and like that was crazy then the Candyman frees her and then he does like the most spectacular exit ever yes yes like that whole thing like that must have been fun like if I was Tony Todd that's like the fun day on set cause you get you know wires and you get pulled back and yeah. you're breaking glass and I mean that was spectacular spectacular that was a i love that scene so much yeah i kind of would have been like like no don't free me don't free me let them see <laughs> you know that i was tied down yeah and i didn't have nothing to do with this but he freed her but at the same time 
do y'all really think this small, and I'm not saying because of her, I'm just saying like this small white woman could just really eviscerate this man and him and nobody like from behind. And, and where did she get a hook? Where would she get something that strong to do that with? You know what I'm saying? And I was like, but they, I'm like, um, Candyman, I see what you're trying to do here, but I don't know about that one. That's too like, funny. What was she thinking when she was like, oh, I can prove I'm innocent. I'll call him for you. Like, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, like, as if, like, he's not going to die once you call yeah, him. Yeah, like, even when you don't call him, he appears and kills people. And you're like, you know what? Let me call him for you, you know? Yeah. Honey, I'm yeah. like, oh, Helen, I don't like you at all. Oh. <laughs> but I kind of was looking at the dude, like, because he... I could not be a psychiatrist because she was like Candyman, Candyman. She would have made it to three. I said, okay, you need to stop with that right now. Let's discuss, you know, because I mean, because stuff is not adding up here. So you might be getting um, framed by some supernatural being. I don't need him in my office right now. You know, so <laughs> let me stop you right there. We're going to take your word for that. Now, here's some, some prescription for something. We're going to send you back to your room. <laughs> I don't need you calling him. Like no, no, don't call Tyrone. Don't call Candyman. Don't do it. That's too funny. We're gonna save uh, the husband oh. until the end because that has to deal more so to the end. So let's talk about the climax of the film. So we find out that this woman from, like, the history of Candyman, like, the reason that he died, this white woman that he fell in love with and that um, he ended up fathering a child with uh, resembles Helen. Like, she might be sort of, like, either a descendant or maybe the reincarnated version of this love that he had and so that's why he's drawn to her i mean there's this whole uh he he writes it out basically for her you know it was always you helen and so there's this bonfire that uh was created and and in the middle of the community bonfire is baby anthony and so like one of the reasons why Candyman has been like in full force is because of Helen, to be quite honest, because Helen sort of discredited him. And so he needs the mythos, the urban legend, to be uh, alive and, and to be feared so that he can continue to exist. And so his goal was basically to burn the, um, the, the community. No, no, it wasn't burn the community. He wanted to burn... No, he wanted to burn all the residents, right? He was going to end up burning all the residents. Yeah. 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 He was. He wanted to um, burn up all the residents to sort of like add to the mythos. But Helen ends up saving baby Anthony. Candyman ends up burning up. And she ends up getting like really burnt to a crisp. Uh, extra crispy. Um <laughs> In the fire, and, uh, you know, she doesn't make it out. She ends up dying. And, uh, in turn, like, her story ends up becoming an urban legend. The community actually comes out in full force because of her rescuing the baby and all that kind of stuff. So, 
let's stop here because there's that little piece at the end and let's just talk about the climax like what did you all think of uh the climax of the film it was like you said batshit crazy to the you know, balls of the wall but it, it was like at first you thought that you know because he told her yeah i gotta kill you because you're trying to uh fuck up my you know whole he's trying to fuck up my life try to fuck up my life you're you know, trying to take my coins away yeah, I my street cred and everything, you know. I'm going around fucking up people left and right. Who you come in and say, oh, he's not real. He is not real. Stop thinking that little, um, I forgot the kid's name. Um, Anthony. But, you know, no, 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 like the young Jake. I'm talking about Jake, look, the little boy, the, the young boy uh, who was went with her to the, who pretty much told her where to go. She got her ass beat and stuff like that. It's not real, Jake, and but. In reality, it was that, but he also mentioned just how, because we see that she resembled the woman who he um, had the relations with that got him killed in the first place. She was like the reincarnation version of, for those who know, her name's Caroline from the movies, from the sequels and stuff like that. So she was a reincarnation of the, uh, the white man's daughter who was supposed to just be painting. And it kind of took a whole nother turn, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so... And I think that's what he meant by it's always was you, Helen. And it's kind of, that's, I think that was the only thing that kind of like stuck out to me. It was like, first you said that you was trying to kill her because um, she was trying to discredit your, you know, your image. But at the end of the day, it made sense why he was toying with her instead of just like killing, like knocking her off like he did everybody else. And because he wanted her to join him in the afterlife. And it was like, okay, I get it. But, you know, she's not down for the cause. So, because the whole deal was for you to get the baby. And, you know, I, I would join you in place of the baby. Because he made, he systematically took everything away from her that she knew and loved. And she had no choice. But I, I, I thought it was a great ending. Um, although, when it got down to the funeral... I think the first couple of times I saw the movie, I actually thought that the Cabrini Green residence was coming to bury the monster, meaning that I thought that they actually thought that she was like the candy man because they dropped the hook off of her in her um, grave. And it took me just like to just really like sit down and pay attention to the movie and be like, no, they are really thanking her for, you know, um, saving baby Anthony because I, I was just like, I couldn't read like, Vanessa Williams and Jake's faces because, you know, um, but then I had, to real, I had to remember that Jake saw um, Helen with the baby and he looked into the fire and saw Candyman's body burning. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. That was, cause I guess I had turned away or something like that. Just, you know, I, didn't, I didn't see the little scene or something like that when I was growing up, but now I'm like, I, I get it, like in the later viewings as, you know, young, as a teenager and young adult, what was going on. I'm like, why did come? Why everybody putting the hook in her damn grave? You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't do that. I'm like, if I was laying in my grave, I'm like, I don't want this damn hook. <laughs> like, I don't want to be buried with this. <laughs> you know? So, but it made sense. Throw it out. Yeah, just throw it out. I'm good. You know, thank y'all for coming though, because her mm-hmm. funeral was very bare. And but anyway, that's all I get. <laughs> what about you, Cynthia? You know what stood out to me was. When he kisses her with all the bees in her mouth, and then she wakes up, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, and let's keep trying to escape. I'm like, girl, you're dead. Like, there's <laughs> no way that you could have survived how many bees in your mouth? And then he tells her, he's like, oh, you're already dead, Helen. And she's like, nope, I'm not dead. I'm still going to keep going. And it just made so much sense. Like, 
that she wouldn't know she was dead or she wouldn't want to believe she was dead. And she's like really trying. And then it kind of, I started thinking maybe it was his plan all along for them to also worship her yeah. by letting her go through all that struggle to fall mm-hmm. out. Because he knew she was dead. Like there's no way she could have survived how many thousand or hundreds of bees in her body. So like you're already dead, girl. Just let it go. But then she brought herself to that level where they finally came to thank her because she saved the baby. And I think that was his plan because he did say like, yeah, the baby's going to be all right in the end as long as you exchange your life for mine. So maybe Candyman is really smart. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I thought the ending was appropriate because it's like she spent her whole not her whole but like the whole movie like proving that this urban legend isn't real and then she ended up believing and then she ended up becoming an urban legend so it's it's kind of full, full circle ish yeah yeah the ending always chilled me because we're just like no lie i would love to see a sequel star on her <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I think the only person she needed to get revenge on, she got revenge on him. That was it. She didn't have to know. Mm-hmm. Let's talk yeah. about him. Let's do it. <laughs> so Trevor, her husband, ended up leaving her when, like one month into her, when, when she was under uh, psych care at the psychiatric hospital. He's yeah. like started shacking up with one of his students, Stacy. He had been checked up with her. It's kind of like what Cynthia said. It's like what Cynthia said, where she did not realize that she was dead, and she had to keep. She kept fighting the fact that she was dead. She didn't realize that that marriage of theirs was over, because when she made that one phone call to call him, their house, the bed was perfectly made. There was nobody in the shower. Nobody was in the kitchen cooking or drinking or eating anything. And when she asked him, "Where were you last night, Trevor?" and he was like. Oh, I was I was dead asleep. I thought you were burning dead. No, no. And she <laughs> sat there. Like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And it just seemed like. It, but the first time we saw Trevor, he oozed sleeves. Yeah, I agree. She walked. She's walking. She's clearly walking towards him. And Stacy, because I had to get her name right tonight. I like. I'm gonna drag this bitch. <laughs> Stacy with an E. With the E. She's sitting there like, oh. God, Professor Trevor, you're so funny. Oh, God. And then as soon as, and see, um, Helen saw her from afar, like, oh, okay. You know, like, oh, okay, this, okay, okay. Let me go down here and pull rank. Yes, bitch, I am the wife. Moving to the side. And you saw when she came onto the scene, Stacey just sat there in the corner, like, just, ah, I'll see you later, Professor. And, like, she kept lingering. Why are you still here? School is let out. You should be with your friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, see, see, if Helen had been black, she would have been drugged in the classroom for the all the kids. Like, she would get drugged. But Helen was like, just so, just like, so this is something you want to tell me about uh, Miss Stacy over here? No, it's nothing you tell you. He just doing all nonchalant. Like, no, he was so, he was so comfortable with lying to her. And so yeah. that's why I, it was like, yeah, it was a month, but I bet you. He'd been banging her for a long time. 
He been banging her all that time. It wasn't like she just they, they, oh, oh she just like at hospital. I'm gonna go do it now. No, he was banging her then. You know what I'm saying? And then screw that. I think when Helen was sent into the psychiatric ward that night, when he let her head go, his hand ripped the nearest payphone. Like yo, I need you to come stay with me tonight. My wife is gone crazy. And I need you to come stay with me tonight. You know, we can go ahead and get it in at my place. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, she's gone. I'm free. I'm free. But <laughs> fuck Trump. That's too funny. I will give a shout out to Stacy's nipples, who were in Thank full you. effect in that final <laughs> scene. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking to myself, now, how did I not see that the first few times I seen the movie? Because I was like, she They was were not hiding. Crazy. It was like, she sat, it's like, they, the director's like, yo, I need the nipples to be on point. Like, nipples on fleek. Exactly. Like, at attention. Like, I'm yes. here. And I'm not going anywhere. And I'm, I'm going to get this day of 15 minutes of fame right quick. Yeah, right, Cynthia? <laughs> yep. <laughs> because, sure. because what, Mark? They were just here. She was gonna, She was just sure she was going to be like the next ingenue. You know what I'm saying? Like. Oh my god! And I'm, I'm, she was like one of those girls who probably sat there and told Bernard Rose, "Like, yo, I really want this part." And he's like, "Yo, get her some ice cubes. Get her some girl. ice cubes." <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not trying to offend, but I'm just like just saying, like, there was no reason under the sun for her nipples to be that erect in that whole entire movie because it was. Even when uh, Virginia uh, Madsen was doing the strip scene and when she was in the tub, it was more along the lines of she was vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? And so it made sense, though. But here's Stacy walking around just all perky and stuff. I'm like, it took me out the movie. You know what I'm saying? It took me out the movie because other than that, it was a well-put-together horror movie. But it just seemed like that was a horror trope just shoved in at the very end for no reason whatsoever. That's too funny. So Trevor ends up dying because Helen, Thank God. I know he ends up like saying her name in the mirror and, uh, you know, she ends up killing him, which I think kind of like how Mark said, you know, that was what she needed to do and it's what she needed to do. And that was like her revenge. Like, I don't know if she ended up becoming a real Candyman style, style urban legend. You know, there is a mural with her, and the mural was hot. Like, I thought it was, like, yes. a really cool mural. Like, it was neat. It was, like, her in um, the white, you know, uh, being sort of um, bathed in uh, flames, and her hair was on fire. Like, it was, I liked it. It was a hot mural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on Candyman, the film as a whole? It's pretty good. Really good. That's it. Yeah. Well, I'm just shocked you guys had not seen it. And I'm not saying, like, it's like, oh, my God, can I, I'm not, like, chastised. Like, you should have seen it by now. But it's, like, it's one of those movies that you kind of can't avoid. You know? Like, they air it all the time. And I'm not just, I'm, I'm proud not to sit there and say y'all should have seen it by now, but it's just more along the lines of that if you hadn't seen it, then you probably knew how it ended and all this stuff because people just don't care no more about spoiling stuff for people nowadays. Or even caught one of the sequels because I know my sister saw the second one before she saw the first one because she wasn't ready for it, you know, when the first one came out. But she did see the sequel. Um, I thought it was probably something like that. Like, you all saw one of the sequels first, and then y'all went back and saw the first one. No, when I was young, I wasn't ready for it. 
Yeah, in Nigeria, we had our own version of that. It was called Ayamatanga, and I wasn't able oh. to sleep for a while. Oh, I need so, to look up Ayamatanga. Yeah, yeah me I'll send too. you the Can actual you... name of the movie. So, <laughs> I wasn't checking to call anyone's name at night in front of anything. Oh, oh I, I need to watch Nigerian it. horror. Yeah, it's yes. It's very spiritual based too. Kind of like the, the the Japanese horror. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, very cool. But yeah, I guess. What were we gonna say? Because I know you had something to say, Mark, about something in relation to the sequel. Oh, I was okay. It was um back to the psychiatrist's office. Um, when Kidman came in and like slaughtered the dude the way he did, okay. he did something similar in the sequel. And not only did he um, slaughter this, it was a um, detective, and it was a man this time who was studying Candyman, and the detective actually, not only did he get gutted, but he got gutted, picked up, and then thrown through the window. Wow. And one of the, uh, it was a black woman detective who... Oh, my. Was, no, no, I mean, I mean, I'm talking about the detective was a man. I'm just saying that um, oh, there was a black woman who was hurt. Beat was these murders, they thought that the main character's brother was doing the murders, but she got her hands on the actual footage of what happened in the room. And so when the main character escaped, she stopped her in the, she stopped in the stairwell and said, there's no way in hell your, your brother killed that man. And she said, you run, you go stop whoever's doing this because that wasn't natural. <laughs> so it was just like, and I think like in the psychiatrist's room, you would think they would be recording their, um, you know, they're charged, they're war, you know, they, they're, they're patients. So, so, like, who, like, yeah. You know, because I, I remember when I had, when I was going through um, my little psychiatrist session, um, they um, recorded every session. They would take, each, they would have a tape of whether you're recording, like, video or whether you're recording um, audio. Something's got to be yeah. recording, you know what I'm saying? That way they can play that in court, you know what I'm saying? So, nobody watched any, like, looked at any of that, but I think they left it out the movie for pacing reasons. Because in the sequel, it was needed to exonerate the, you know, the main character's brother and give her just you no know, cause, know that the cops not gonna be on her ass the last half of the movie because they have a witness saying that this they didn't go down like that. But in this movie, I was like, yeah, nobody sat there, you know, thought about that. That's what I was gonna say about that. But yeah. Mm, but then yeah, again, it happened point. in the span of one day, right? So like. Yeah, it did. So probably no time of like, ooh, this man's dead. Let's listen to the recording. Well, there's that. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. That's true. Plus, I just like the trajectory of Helen, how she went from there. She went straight to Trevor. Mm-hmm. And here she is chasing this urban legend, and she's living an urban legend herself. <laughs> I, I mean... In, in, in the event that I'm, I'm, she's living, because think about it, you don't see, you're too busy calling up and trying to do something else that you don't see your marriage falling apart, or you refuse to believe it. So it was, you know, so she kept running to Trevor, like, Trevor, hold me. And he was like, do I have to? Here you go, here. And then he's like, girl, he don't want you, but you kept running back. But I think that was, like, the ultimate, like, she had to go back to the apartment and see this floozy sitting, sitting here painting, like, you know, everything is hunky-dory, like, life is about to be did and she had to get that last thread cut so she could just fall into Candyman's trap but I love this movie I watch it every year and I always find something new in it and I'm glad that I sat here and listened to everybody's uh, you know comments and observations and it kind of like it enhanced 
is my viewing experience the next time I watch the movie, which probably sometime next month. I like it. So since we are in the ballroom, I feel like we need to check in to see if Candyman has won any awards. And it has. So let's yes. go back to yes. 1992. It won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Actress, Virginia Madsen. It was also nominated at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards for Best Actor, Tony Todd, and Best Supporting Actress, Vanessa Williams. Not THE Vanessa Williams. In 1993, at the Fantasporto Awards, it was nominated in uh, the International Fantasy Film Award category for Best Film at the Avoriaz Fantastic Film Festival in 1993. It won the Audience Award. It also won Best Actress, Virginia Madsen. It won Best Music, Philip Glass. And it was nominated for the Grand Prize, which I'm going to assume is Best Film. And then in 1993, at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films Awards, it won the Saturn Award for Best Actress, Virginia Madsen. And it was nominated for Best Horror Film, Best Writing, and Best Makeup. And over on Rotten Tomatoes, this film is certified fresh 70%. Wait. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I was shocked, too. That other movie from yesterday or last week, what's the name of the movie that got 93%? Oh, I don't have it. Oh, Suspiria? Suspiria. Oh, God. I can't even trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. Oh well. I hate Rotten Tomatoes. It's a it's a piece of. Sh- I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stop. I'm stop. Oh, That's another conversation right there. Well, you can trust <laughs> us though, Cynthia, because we've got some awards that we are going to yeah. hand out. And let's start off with uh, the diva. That would oh. Be, uh, it would be Candyman. Yeah, I'll go say this too. <laughs> like maybe can we, maybe change it to the Devo. Uh, or you know, there are male divas. Yeah, yeah, there are, but there's something something like to be called divos. So I don't know, but okay, I I'll go with diva. Okay. What about yeah. the ingenue, Helen? Helen. Oh, Helen. Was, uh, the biggest douche, Trevor. Yes. Yes. The see you next Tuesday cunt award, Stacy with an E. Stacy. 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 <laughs> Stacy. And her and her perky breasts. <laughs> The best. And you know what? With I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, continue on. <laughs> no, I was gonna say because I can remember that line. Stacy started walking up the stairs, and then the hell was like, "See ya." I thought she was gonna say, "See ya," and then when she turned around like next Tuesday, I thought I was waiting for her to say it because that's what pops in my head. <laughs> that's Tuesday. too funny. The best use of nudity: Stacy's nipples. Oh, but what about that scene oh, the in tub? the tub? Yeah, the tub yeah. was good. That was like side yeah. boob city. Uh, yeah, I saw a nipple. Yeah, they teased. Oh yeah, the they nipple. teased the nipple. Yeah, we love a nipple tease. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. What about the barf bag moment? Oh, it's a t- oh, it's a tie between when Candyman opens his jacket and when he kills the psychic. Oh, really? See, for me, it's a tie between Bernadette's dead body and uh, when they kiss with the bees. Ooh. 
There were a lot of really yeah, gross I, moments. What about you, Mark? Mine was burning this dead body. No, no, that was that 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 made me sick every time I watched the movie, and I could not watch it every time I saw her dead body because he messed her up. Like her whole skin features just changed. Her skin was a different color. Yeah, she got. You know, because they say, like, when you get really scared, you know, like, you know, you you turn pale, and she was pale as yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm changing mine to the kiss now that I think about it. Mm. Okay. Mm. What, what about the kill of the night? For me, it was the psychiatrist, the psychologist, whatever. Same. Oh, well, to me, I just like Trevor getting kids. It's like, yeah, finally, damn. <laughs> we didn't get to watch it, though. Wow. I sound sad. It was sad. I want to see him get every piece of his body eviscerated. Yeah. Wow. She was really tidy with the killing, too. That was her apartment. She just sat there made that a home. She wasn't going to mess up her... Well, she messed up the bathroom pretty much, but... I guess she didn't want to have blood all over the damn place. I don't... I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All over the Pepto-Bismol walls. Yeah, it was very pink. Uh, the moment that made you gag. For me, specifically, it was the bee kiss. Although him... Showing her the ribcage with the bees was gross, too. Well, it kind of segued into the kiss. So we'll take it as one package. It just, it felt like someone you're very not attracted to kissing you, but, like, with, like, wet wet lips and, like, saliva everywhere. <laughs> Cynthia's had some interesting experiences in her life. See, there you go. Yes. <laughs> What about the that's so retro moment? Uh-huh. Cabrini Green from me, because everybody there just looked like they stepped out of the 1980s. Like, I mean, they, yeah. I mean, the movie was made in 1992, true enough, but it's like they were still stuck in 1980-something. So I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like, yeah, the technology me for me, kind of, like, the, the screens, the computers, and I was like, oh, gosh. Yes. The phones. Yes. Now we are going to rank the film in our special categories. We've got The Screamer for films filled with scares. We've got The Gut Buster for films that are grotesque. We've got The Eye Popper for films that are visually impressive. The Grave Digger for films that lack scares. And Mind Blower for overall best in show. You may mix and match. So let's start off with you, Cynthia. Of course. I would say Screamer, it was just, yeah, scary at times. Not every time, but sometimes. Got Buster, it was disgusting to look at. Um, Mind Blower, because the acting was great. And the special effects with like him hover, hovering um, over her while she was in the hospital bed, that was also amazing. Yeah, that's it. That's all I'm giving. Oh, I pop her because of the bees. Mark? Um, screamer, eye popper, mind blower. Um, I'm probably going to... I know it's not a grave digger because even watching this movie tonight, I was still jumping at certain scenes. <laughs> because I, I don't understand why. I guess because I had earphones on while I was watching it. And so, but yeah, it's just a staple in horror history and not just horror history, but black horror history. Um, oh. And this soundtrack is everything. Um, it enhances the movie. And 
I just there's not enough I can do to praise this movie. I mean, it's just a great movie, and I'm glad to talk about it tonight. And I'm gonna give it Mind Blower because I mean it was just fantastic. Eye popper because the visuals were really nice. And I know you just made fun of the clothing, but I like the clothing. Like I like the sets. I like the clothing. I like the color palette of the film. Uh, I just think it's a it's a very nicely shot film and gut buster for me because it there were some really gross moments in the movie yeah yeah now it's time to rate the film from one to ten it's on a hotel room key scale the point system is allowed and uh, we'll go in the same order so that means cynthia you are first it gets nine hotel room keys for me oh hotel rooms without mirrors yes that's the key because it was so great i would see it again Many times again, maybe I'll join Mark in his annual visit to Candyland. (laughs) Come on, let's root for both of us. (laughs) Mark, what about you? Um, Ten across the board. Ten across the hallway. (laughs) Ten across the floor. I just love this movie because it was smart horror before it became smart horror, in my personal opinion. I mean... Granted, Helen made some very silly-ass choices, but it's that old-time tale of, like, be careful what you look... Um, not be careful what you wish for, but be wary of what you look for, because when, if, when you do find it, you know, you're not going to be able to shake it off. And, you know, so it's because that type of story has been told so many times, but the fact that the director could have stayed with the original source, but he kind of, like, went with this, you know, horrible backstory that was a kind of a social commentary back then um, that kind of still resonates to this day. But that's a whole other topic. But yeah, so I just want to give it 10 across the board. I'm going to give it a 10 as well. I thought it was a very well-done horror movie. You know, it had everything that I think you need in horror. You have like a really great villain. You've got a compelling story. You've got a compelling backstory. You've got some really great kills. You've got some excellent supernatural elements. Like, it was just a really well done movie and i'm glad i finally got the chance to see it and uh, i will be doing the same as both of you and i will be adding it to my uh, halloween time uh, rotation because it was just that good yay candy man i know right (laughs) so on that note please drag your bodies away from the ballroom and prepare to check out join us next time for a brand new installment of Horror Hotel. Once again, here's one of our bellhops with a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash P C R Horror Hotel. Follow Panpichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Panpichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, Visit panpichuloradio.com slash horrorhotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash panpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. 
Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. We hope you've brought your death certificate. Make final arrangements now. <laughs> Thank you. My fellow Horror Hotel team, please wish our hotel guests and the listeners a good night. Candyman, good night. Candyman, that was <laughs> Candyman, good night. That's two. <laughs> <laughs> there That's all be... I can do, because there... I can see my reflection. Oh, well, there won't be a third for me. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in. You may have checked into the Horror Hotel. But who says you're allowed to check out? Good night.